Let's give the people what they want. White chickens this week. I've got to ask. It was the Muppet chickens. That was the yeah, thing the from Muppet last chickens. week. Right. Yeah, we I didn't even pick that up. I was just like, I, I'm oh, still in Johnny Briggs mode you, with this. You were, la- you were on last week. This, you were doing mouth trumpet. That's so old hat. Yeah. We're on, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You're on chicken chickens. rendition. So what's next? Are we bringing kazoos or like, how's this going to work? Ooh, Amazon oh, Prime, kazoos. a couple of kazoos. Jimbo, yeah. you and me on guitar. Ben gets his bass out. <laughs> Helen on drums and vocals. And no, we're Helen's got the French horn. Thing. I do not. Well, I do wasn't not. Wasn't that sexy an episode? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler special podcasts dedicated to WandaVision. This week's episode entitled. What is it entitled? We interrupt, we interrupt, interrupt this, program. this program. I didn't realise they were clear had episode titles until last <laughs> week. I'm fully on top of this thing. Mm-hmm. This week's episode, entitled We Interrupt This Program, answered some questions and then refused point blank to answer some others and then was downright careless and mean in setting up even more. What can we say? We're infested. And by we, I mean me and my three fellow sword colleagues of such lethal cunning, Helen O'Hara. Hello. James Dyer. Mjernia. <laughs> Mjernia. <laughs> and Ben Travis. Hello. Hello, all. Hello. Uh, it's recap time. It is recap time. Uh, and there's a lot to recap in this one. It's an episode that fills in some of the blanks about what's been happening in Westview. We are introduced at the beginning of the episode to Geraldine in the real world as she blips back into existence after the offence of Avengers Endgame. Only, it turns out, she's not Geraldine. She is revealed to be to the surprise of precisely nobody who was there whenever Monica Rambo was announced as being part of WandaVision years ago. Thanks a bunch, Kev. She is revealed to be Monica Rambo, the daughter what? of the... I know, Helen, were you not paying attention? The daughter of the now deceased Maria Rambo. Minute silence, please, for Maria Rambo. That'll do. Monica is now an operative of SWORD, Sentient Weapon Observe and Response Division, an organisation that her mother built from the ground up, mm. apparently. Grounded post-blip. Monica is sent to the New Jersey town of Westview to liaise with FBI agent Jimmy Woo. What the dickens? To investigate what seems to be a missing persons case. And it is a missing persons case, plural, because it's actually a missing town case, as Westview doesn't appear to exist. Monica, discovering that a force field is surrounding the town, gets sucked in, sucked in, and disappears. Less than 24 hours later, S.W.O.R.D. has mobilised a huge response and monitoring force, including Darcy Lewis, now a doctor. Yes. Darcy discovers that a signal is being beamed from the town, which shows a sitcom that apparently stars Wanda Maximoff and Vision. Only problem, the latter is dead. Attempts to reach Wanda, including a message beamed in by Agent Wu, fail until Monica, now reimagined in that show as Geraldine, is propelled back through the force field, claiming that it's all Wanda's doing. And we now see what really happened at the end of last week's episode. Wanda did not take kindly to Geraldine's use of Ultron's name, blasted her through walls and out of the town. And when Vision arrives, 
we see the truth. He is dead. He's all <gasps> grey. And Wanda seems to be even more than we suspected, completely and utterly fucking doolally in constructing <laughs> an alternate reality in which they might live happily ever after. The end. Discuss the episode, please. I'm off for a lie down. Blimey. Can I just say, this is why yes. I'm here. Like, this episode is why I'm watching this show. Like, I've been waiting for this. Like, as I said this from the beginning, I'm not a person who's wild about sitcoms. I'm especially not particularly wild about 50s, 60s, 70s sitcoms. So... Or 80s or 90s or, or 80s, 80s or 90s or comedy in general. Yes, exactly. And as I've said all along, this is a thriller in a sitcom's clothes. And finally, I got to see everything. And uh, I was pleased to see WandaVision disrobe for me and show me oh, the thriller God. with it. This is a problematic so, oh, metaphor. No. Right? Yeah, please, let me suggest. You see what I'm saying, though? Like, this is the show that I wanted. I want the MCU show. I want the thriller show. I want the weirdy weirdiness behind the illusion. And this, this episode gave it to me. And I finally, I'm like, yes. The thing is, though, this is the fourth episode, and I do believe, and certainly from people who've spoken to me on Twitter, that this show has lost people along the way because they didn't get to this point sooner. Um, and I kind of think that this is one of these things where if they'd done a Netflix, if they dropped it all in one go, they wouldn't have this problem. If they dropped maybe three instead of two the first week, they wouldn't have this problem. That said, I do think word will carry, and I think now that people know this episode is out there, the naysayers, of which there were a few, will probably now go back and watch them. I mean, they're half-hour episodes. It's not a fucking marathon, is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, stick with it people it's not like it's not like watching 39 episodes of a tv show no, just because episode 40 is good it's not it's not okay. but uh, this this is this has kind of vindicated the fact that i was kind of when i went into this i was like i don't love this show but i suspect i will love this show and at this point i'm starting to love this show and that's See, fabulous i do love the show <laughs> yeah. and this episode i i thought this episode was fantastic but this episode was you know, maybe I, I want the weirdness back again, and mm. hopefully we'll get that next week. I think we'll get a mixture, won't we? Like we'll we'll see a blending of the the yes. weird and the real. I think that's what's going to happen mm -hmm. from now on. A little mm -hmm. bit more, anyway. I think the 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 balance, at least for another episode or two, is probably going to be with Wanda a little bit longer. But it was it was fun. It's really fun this episode, um, and it, I can see why. You know, sitcom skeptics like James No Humor Dyer over there <laughs> is are, you know. Um, took some comfort from this. It's, it's almost a promise, really, isn't it? That, you know, mm. normal service will be resumed. Don't worry. There will be some super heroics or villainy, who knows, um, in here at uh -oh. some point in the future. But yeah, I liked I liked this. I like the comedy. I think, you know, both Wu and Darcy are more capable, I think, and more serious than we've seen them be before. But equally bring the lightness and bring that kind of little comic touches, which which worked really well. I, I like seeing more of Monica. I thought her introduction at the beginning of this was fantastic. Once again, we must ask all of these incredibly difficult, impossible to answer questions about how exactly the blip worked and what the fuck happens to the mm. world. And, you know, it doesn't make any sense, but we still love it. That moment like made me realize how much I needed that to be addressed. And like, I thought that mm. the way Far From Home dealt with the blip was fantastic. I thought it was genius. But equally, I kind of realise now that it's as seismic an event as the snap originally, which we mm -hmm. saw, but we've never really seen how this came into being and how discombobulating it would have been. And I was like, oh my God, I almost want more of this. Like I was upset that it was it was over so quickly. I thought that was a really exciting place to, to start this episode. We got this kind of episode earlier than I thought we would. I understand that the first three episodes, it's a very different sort of change of pace for the MCU. I have to say, if you're in 
the MCU as much as we are and you couldn't sit through three 25-minute episodes of sitcominess, <laughs> come on, they've earned your patience by now. And they were really fun episodes anyway. But I thought it was really... I, I was quite intrigued by the fact that they gave us as much as they did this early on. I could have sat with the mystery for a bit longer. Ah, but Ben, the mystery's still there. The mystery, there's still huge mystery mm. here. There's still huge mystery here, but at the same time, they answered so many things from those first three episodes that I thought we were going to wait quite a bit longer to find out. Mm-hmm. But they did it in a really satisfying way. It made me think of, do you remember in the second season of Lost, when they introduced the tail section survivors who were on the other side of the island, and you had that episode that was the other 48 days or something where it was yeah like the entire show so far but from the perspective perspective. of the other people i liked that you had that kind of wrap-up of we're going to just recap everything you've already Mm. seen but from the other perspective from outside the dome of of westview i liked how they filled everything in while still like chris said keeping a lot of the mystery there but at the same time for people who were struggling to hold on a bit going okay don't worry we are explaining things here are here are some explanations for some of the weirdness so far They've ticked off some boxes. They ticked off, you know, what was that helicopter that Wanda mm-hmm. found? We Now we know what it was. Uh, what happened? Who was that beekeeper bloke in episode two? Now we know who he was. We know now that it was Agent Wu's voice coming through on the radio to Wanda. We know, for example, that it was Darcy's hands that we saw writing in the book at the end of the first episode and then turning off the TV that was showing the first episode of WandaVision. But we still don't know what happened to him. Mm. And I think that's that's something that the show, this show, the main show, the you know, WandaVision show, is being very, very clever about. Uh, and there's a whole, that we don't know still the adverts, who is in the mm-hmm. adverts, who are those people. I had a thought this week, they might be Wanda and Pietro's mother and father. Oh, interesting. Who? Oh, the people in the adverts, the adverts we see every single week, it's the same mm-hmm. It's the same man, the same woman in each advert mm-hmm. each week. And if we go by the theory that these adverts are ways of, in some ways, manifestations of, that's a trauma. strange way of pronouncing it, of yeah, Wanda's trauma, mm-hmm. then perhaps that might be Wanda's mother and father. That's yeah. my current theory. Well, oh, and actually, um, didn't they shelter in a bath um, next to, am I making that up? Uh, bath, next to bath, the unexploded yeah. um, Stark bomb when their house fell down. Am I making that it, up? It was, de- it was definitely in their apartment. Uh, it was definitely uh, in the apartment. I don't remember if it was under a table or in the bath, but if it did, then that would fit the bathtub, is all I'm mm. saying. Ben, you um, saw Age of Ultron recently. Did they shelter it in a bath? I, I haven't seen Age of Ultron recently. <laughs> oh, you watched it last I, week. I watched okay. it this week, yeah. yeah. I, and, and I don't... I remember that they said they they sat that you know they were lying there next to an unexploded Stark bomb. I'm just trying to we, remember where yeah. they were lying. What was it we waited nine days for Tony Stark to kill us? It was something yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're confusing with Lethal Weapon Two, where Riggs and Murtaugh <laughs> avoid a bomb by jumping into a bath. <laughs> Maybe Indeed. it is. Mm. Yeah. Or, or the, that uh, fan film, uh, the Indiana Jones fan film, where he survives a nuclear bomb by hiding in a fridge. <laughs> That's realistic, and that actually would work. It would yeah. work. Uh, don't don't blame me, blame science. But the, the questions that the show hasn't answered yet is what the Dickens is up with Agnes. Uh, who is behind this? Because I still don't think it's Wanda on her own. Mm-hmm. And just and and the larger question: of What the fuck? Yeah, it's yeah. the big yeah. question that it hasn't answered yet. Yeah, and uh, do you know what? It, it, 
I, I think that's right. All those questions lie open in this episode. The, Marvel also released a sort of a bit of a trailer for the show going forward. Yeah. Though today, and that really did make me think. You know, it's something witchy. That that more than anything in the episode so far, or any of the episodes so far, you know, screamed, "Don't trust Catherine Han. She's witchy." Which is ridiculous because witches, they were wicked good and loved the earth and woman power and, you know, I'll be over here. So, um... <laughs> I understood that reference. <laughs> Could I just say, of all the magic in this episode, the magic that impressed me most was the online close-up Magic University tribute by Jimmy Woo when he flicks his card mm -hmm. as taught to him by Scott Lang. Oh, mm -hmm. Loved it. Loved yeah. it. Yeah. There may be some people who don't know, you know, casual MCU followers may not know that we've seen two of these characters before. Uh, so just to set it up for people, I, you know, I'll be amazed, frankly, if anyone's listening to this who isn't <laughs> deeply, deeply first in the MCU. But uh, Jimmy Woo, played by Randall Park, is, of course, uh, the lovable FBI agent we saw desperately and, and incompetently trying to arrest Scott Lang all the way through Ant-Man and the Wasp. And Darcy Lewis... Uh, played by Kat Dennings. We haven't seen her since Thor The Dark World. She mm. is Jane Foster's assistant and intern, and uh, and now she's a doctor. She's been busy. She's now a, a, clearly a renowned professor of astrophysics. So clearly she didn't get blipped and has been studying hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's five years to get ahead. Exactly. <laughs> she's had all that time. But also, I mean, <laughs> Thor was, okay, in-universe chronology, Right, we're in 2023, Three. 2023. and Thor was 20 in universe 13. chronology. In, I meant Thor the first the Thor. World. I meant first, the first Thor, Thor, 2011. Although, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Because didn't they retcon it with that Fury's Big Week thing so that Thor, Iron Man 2, and The Incredible Hulk, which came out in 2008, are all meant to take place roughly in the same week? So that could be 2008, 2010, or 2011, if we're going by Thor's release date. So it could be any of those, but I'm going to say, and I will be corrected by this, I know, I'm going to say, yeah, 2011. Okay, so she's had 12 years. Like, if she couldn't get her PhD in 12 years, something would have gone horribly wrong. <laughs> the other thing is, she, of course, would presumably be on some list to be you know, higher up to get clearance for this shit because yeah. she already knows an Avenger. Like, there's got to be a bit of not quite nepotism, but favoritism here. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that probably put her yeah. higher up their list of people to call. That's one thing I really liked about this. Uh, it, it feels almost like an Avengers of great supporting characters. Yes. Uh, we just need now basically Trevor Slattery and Louise to show up, <laughs> and we're we're laughing. I I'm very much in need of a Louise recap at the moment. I hope oh that's the end game oh of the God. show. It's just Louise explaining to us what actually happened. Oh, that would be. Which show will Louise turn up in again? I mean, I guess Ant Man and the Waspy Wasps or whatever Ant Man is called. Ant Man and the Waspy Wasps. Yeah. Quantum Mania. Yes. Quantum Mania. I'm, um, all, I'm all for that. But, uh, I'm all for but, that. But what I loved about the fact that Darcy and Wu were in this episode is that they didn't do that horribly clunky thing of going, oh, hey, yes, I used to hang out with Thor while well, I tried to catch Ant-Man. They didn't, they didn't yeah. exchange their yeah. credentials in, yeah. in any way. Because you don't need to know, do you? It's nice to know, but you don't need to know. Mm. We know. Yeah. 
I think they just did a really nice job of of naturally bringing those characters in. I mean, I think when they announced that these two were going to be in it, it's like, oh, what the 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 cop from Ant Man and the Wasp and the assistant from Thor and Thor: The Dark World felt like a slightly strange kind of set of characters to pull in. But it it really makes sense in this world mm. and with the situation that's happening. Yeah, of course, Darcy is an astrophysicist and she's worked with Jane Foster and she knows Thor and that Randall Park um, having been involved in whatever the hell was going on in Ant-Man of the Wasp would get drawn into something like um, like Sword. So, mm. Mm. I like the wrinkle that Sword has been built from the ground up, founded in the same way that Peggy Carter in this in the MCU co-founded Shield, yeah, uh, by by Maria Rambo, uh, which is nice because obviously they bumped her off off screen. Well, she's busy hanging out with Bond. You know how it is. It's probably part of her deep cover, actually, so she could go work with another intelligence service, actually. But uh, but yeah, no, I thought I thought that was kind of nice that these two people, um, I mean, Peggy and Maria, who lost somebody to cosmic forces beyond their ken, then spend their time setting <laughs> up a, an organization yeah, that will that will be able to investigate such things. I think that's really clever. I also love that little tiny detail that says that uh, Maria set up a protocol for what would happen mm. if the blipped people came back, because it shows so much hope and faith in her daughter. Um, I thought that was lovely. Yeah, it's unlikely we're going to see uh, Maria Rambo again, but uh, but yes, this is Monica Rambo. Uh, I, I, I am slightly annoyed they announced that a couple of years ago. It would have been because I, 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 I. But now I also see why I interviewed Tayona Paris for the cover feature for this, mm-hmm. and I was you know she can't say a lot obviously, but she would admit that she was Monica Rambo. But I was going so tell us about her powers. What sort of powers does she have? Because in in the comic books she's a Captain Marvel. She was Captain Marvel before Carol Danvers was Captain Marvel. And she's basically got the power of, she can travel at the speed of light, essentially. And Mm. she's got really, really cool power where the lower half of her body is basically just a streak of light and she can fly super fast. A very cannonball. And she kind of sidestepped the question. And I can see now why she sidestepped the question, because it seems clear that this version of Monica Rambo doesn't have powers, at least not that we know of, or B, at least not yet. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You were saying, Chris, that you you doubt we'll see her again, but we've seen we've gone back to Peggy. We've seen bits of yeah, Peggy sort of setting up Shield and the backstory behind that. So I could see that also being mm. something they bring in here. My question is, if if Maria Rambo set up Sword and that is a significant Avengersy ish organization in this world, why have we never seen it before or heard about it before in any other context? Well, I think it's it's its remit was very much extraterrestrial, wasn't it? They talked about mm. it was about monitoring threats and looking for allies from space, and then it shifted focus to I think they said robotics, nanotech, and uh, AI, and obviously the sentient weapon stuff. But all of that sounds incredibly relevant to me. There have been alien <laughs> attacks, there have been Ultron <laughs> attacks, all sorts of things. Well, they're a covert agency, Ben. Maybe they operate behind the scenes. What I want to know is after we see the Eternals, where the fuck have they been all this time? (laughs) If they've been around for millennia, what have they been doing? Pull your finger out of your arse. If they're taking reference from Neil Gaiman, they've been around but haven't been aware that they've been around. Idiots. Yeah. While we're talking about Sword, uh, obviously Josh Stamberg turns up as Director Haywood, uh, who's currently in charge of Sword now. Mm. And this may have nothing to do with anything, and I'm inclined to assume that it doesn't. But obviously, there is a character in Agents of Shield named Brian Haywood. 
possibly a relation who was an undercover Hydra agent. So mm. just throwing that out there. <gasps> oh my God, if Hydra's also in infiltrated sword, are they being Hail busy? Hydra. <laughs> Hail Hydra, James. Hail Hydra. No hailing Hydra, James. We've talked about this. <laughs> Hail Hydra, James. Hail Hydra, Ben. <laughs> no, no, I only say it in the cap in endgame sense of like, oh, I'm going to trick <laughs> all the Nazis. <laughs> that's what I was saying. I was totally saying, I was trying to root out some Hydra infiltrators. <laughs> Sorry, something wrong with my eye. I don't know yeah, what the hell's going yeah. on with it. Uh, but yeah. So um, when do you think we're going to see Monica Rambo get some some super speed powers? In WandaVision or in Captain Marvel 2? Where we know she will appear. Like some more of it. <laughs> it feels so like Captain that she Marvel 2 would be the more natural fit. Yeah, I think I think Captain Marvel 2 makes more sense. But I, I do wonder about that because the, the reference to her being grounded suggests that she already has experience of you know, space and travel and stuff like that. So I wonder if she's maybe not like inherent superpowers yet, but she's certainly been using, I don't know, like a Falcon style suit or something like that. Or a spaceship. Or I mean, it could be just a spaceship, but I feel like it's mm-hmm. it's something more personal. It almost, I don't know, something about that yeah. line just seemed like it was mm. more of a personal thing that she'd been able to do and that suddenly wouldn't be able to do, so... I, I am with Ben, by the way, as well in this. Uh, I, I, you know, it's like I know they have only just made the decision to introduce. This is, this is a problem with, you know, as great as the MCU is, it's a problem with stuff like this where you suddenly decide, twelve years in, to to introduce something, and then you've got twelve years of backstory where sword would have come in quite handy in Avengers <laughs> and Age of Ultron and Infinity War and Endgame. Although they do seem to be a bit rubbish, they're they're basically just. They're, 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 their answer to this is basically: Should we just set up a perimeter and have a have a watch of a TV show? Let's do that. It's also not just them. They've got you know, Darcy says you know you've got sort of army and air force and so on there as well. Mm. So maybe they literally are very small, mm. like tiny. just to be really t- teeny little organization. Maybe that one building is all the building they have. They, that's quite a fancy <laughs> building, though. I wish I had a building. I'm tiny, and I wish I had a massive <laughs> building like that. I, I mean, I, I didn't bring that up as, as a dig of like, oh, where have they been all this time? I'm like, genuinely, is there like a reason yeah, why no, they haven't appeared so far? Or, yeah. or because they are really careful at seeding this stuff and of, of bringing stuff in. Like, there are mentions or sort of hints about S.H.I.E.L.D. right from the very first Iron Man when they didn't even know mm-hmm. if they were going to get to do anything else. So um, they are quite careful about bringing stuff in early, but it did stand out to me that you go, oh, there's a massive sword building. There is, They have all these resources and it seems to bring in all these characters who we've met before. So I wondered if there was some other reason that they might not have come into play. Maybe it's more like our old office building where it's a huge building and we have like part <laughs> of one floor and that's where they are. Because remember Director Hayward when he says, he says, she says, you were the best, obvious choice. She's like, I was the only choice because they've only got five members of staff and he was the one who got <laughs> yeah. promoted. That's it's a very it. low-key operation. Oh, no, Loki. it was a low-key operation. Oh, no. This motherfucker, I knew his dabs were all over this. Their five members of staff are Stephen, Wendy, <laughs> Olga, Rebecca, and David. And they were like, we need a name. <laughs> Sword. <laughs> very good. Do you think there's a bad guy organization called Acronym? There should be. I want to... I wanna, <laughs> oh, that'd be brilliant. I want to join that organization. I wonder if there might be something to do with the fact that Sword, relatively speaking, is a fairly new creation. Mm. So I've just I've just Googled it again, but it was created by Joss Whedon, as we as we discussed in last week's show, or another week's show, or a sh- one of the shows. <laughs> uh, you look it up, and uh, and it was created. The first issue that Sword appeared in was December two thousand and four. The MCU came up four years later with with Iron Man. So maybe Feige and cohorts thought it's not really going to be that big a deal. Uh, mm. But then obviously with Shield essentially not really being a factor anymore. They needed something to take Shield's place and what yeah. better than Sword? 
I, I mean, I wonder if a potential explanation could be that, yeah, Sword was a teeny thing for a couple of years, and then over the course of the blip, over the course of that five years, yeah. people kind of got their shit together. That would be a way of explaining how they are now much more relevant than they used to be. Except... Except... She's already been working for Sword beforehand. And yeah. except they were going into space beforehand and now yeah. they're concentrating because they've had to like focus down, which maybe suggests that they were doing more beforehand and not less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they've just been neg- negligent, basically. Yeah, negligence is the yeah. is the r- likely I hope thing. they get fucking sued into oblivion. <laughs> maybe they were filibustered and prevented from doing anything useful before, but That's now... That's more realistic. The, you know, the, whatever the equivalent of the Democrats in the Marvel Universe is, has control of the Senate and the House and are able to actually get something done. Maybe that's it. Maybe they were too busy trying to come up with a logo that would be good as a necklace, but also as a statue, but also looks good on stationery. <laughs> it looks good on a jacket, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it te- you remember that line, it tells me somebody really wanted our name to be Shield? You know, there's, yes. there's a little bit of that going on with Sword as well, isn't there? There very much is. I wonder if they might be a way, a backdoor way of introducing Fantastic Four as well, who of mm. course famously get their powers from going into space. Yeah. And being bombarded by cosmic rays. Speaking of cosmic rays, that's what we got this time, isn't it? Yes, it, it is. It was indeed. interesting in that uh, cosmic something, uh, background radiation, CMBR, yeah. what's the M sound for? Cosmic. Mike. Microwave background radiation? Sure. Sure. Anyway, uh, I liked that that seemed to be the effect of presumably Wanda's powers that coming from one of the Infinity Stones, it reads as essentially the stuff of the universe itself. Yeah, which um, makes I sense. If that is the case, I like yeah. that. I just like it. It still bothers me that her powers don't come from the rea- reality stone, but let's just, let's I, just I gloss know. over that. Let's assume they're all linked on a quantum level, James. Quantum. <laughs> it's quantum. Quantumania. 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 <laughs> Louise, recap. No, he's not here. Damn it. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this. There's still loads and loads of questions and still loads of things to discover. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, that's, let's go through the episode as quickly as we can, and then we'll take some listener questions. So we talked about it a little bit already, but the beginning with the blip, uh, I thought I thought it was fantastic. Like, yeah. the, the lovely mm-hmm. way that they visualize it as well, which is basically, it's just a reverse of what Thanos did, that yeah. finger-snapping bastard. Dick. What a Hero. prick. <laughs> It genuinely took me a couple of seconds to work out what was going on because it's so different to what we've seen in the other episodes. It was very purposefully disorientating that I was like, wait, Mm. hang on, who are we with and what's going on? And uh, what Mm. is this that we're seeing? And then then it all clicked. And I I don't think that's the way they did it visually in Spider-Man Far From Home, is it? Quite. When we saw that video of the basketball game. They all popped back into into the middle of the basketball court. This I thought was better. Yes, I agree. Uh, much, much better. And the feeling of disorientation that Monica mm. feels as well. It's a lot of information to take in. It's not quite Ripley being told that, you know, she's been asleep <laughs> for 57 years. years. <laughs> but, you know, it's up there. I like the two way that we've seen people come back sort of relate to how they're approaching the blip. So they they the effects are very much the same, but in Far From Home, they treated it as a bit of a gag. It was like a sort of comedy yeah. thing of like, oh, you come back and your little brother's five years older than you, etc. Whereas in this, it was all about the how terrifying that would be and the chaos yeah. of it. Of, and uh, people, yeah, especially in a hospital, that being the location for it, where there are already people sick and dying and then mm. there are people coming back to life and all sorts. Yeah, that yeah. I felt like the, the visual representation of that was tailored to the, how they're approaching yeah. um, the, the whole idea tonally. 
Because this is a deviation from what we've had in the previous three weeks, there's no bouncy, jaunty theme tune. We're not in the Wanda and Vision world in this. It's very much the real, the real world, quote unquote, of the MCU. Mm. Uh, I really loved that. The, the you know that sudden shift in contrast was great. But then we we go after the Marvel fanfare, after the Marvel logo, we see Monica trying to get back into Sword and. Then from that point on, the episode takes place in about a 24 to 48 hour time period. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's also, I don't know if this is interesting or not, but it seems to me that as well that this is about three weeks after she's blipped, she's come back. So will we see her processing the grief that she must still be feeling about her mother, the PTSD that perhaps might kick in as a result of her experiences uh, over the course of this, might that even have had an effect on the way that she was incorporated into the show? I, I feel maybe it would be a layer too far. I feel like maybe mm-hmm. that's something for Captain Marvel too, rather than I think we've muddied the waters a bit too much in this. Yeah, I, I think it might come into play because it might be the kind of thing that enables her to bond potentially with Wanda mm. in the future. But I don't know that we'll see it specifically as an independent thing to any great degree, at least. I hope it will be at least kind of addressed and, and be backgrounded in her character, at least. But it, it kind of feels like the kind of thing that might help her reach out to Wanda if there is a moment where that becomes a thing that she can do and is possible. Yeah. That's a really good point. But I've just realized it does. It sets the whole thing three weeks after the after yeah. the blip. So mm. it sets the whole thing three weeks after Endgame. So a lot has happened for Wanda Maximoff in those three weeks. Yeah. I would say. She she got rid of fucking Thanos. She um went to Tony's funeral, had a little moment with uh with Hawkeye. And and now she's here. And then went quickly. to Lally. <laughs> had a breakdown in New Jersey. Well, Yes, assuming again that it's just her and that it's not any outside force acting on her. Yeah, indeed. I think it's an outside force taking advantage, advantage. of her fragile yeah, state of mind. Yeah, I think I think it's not. I think it's not. You know, she's not blameless in this. She's clearly mm-hmm. enjoying being in this world. She clearly wants to protect it. But to what degree she's being encouraged in that and to mm. what degree she's been manipulated in that is is unclear. I, I think Vision, and I said this last week, but I, I think even more this week, I think Vision represents her kind of ra- more rational side trying to get through to her. I think mm-hmm. he's clearly the one who has misgivings. He's clearly starting to question things. He's clearly starting to worry about things. I think that's coming from within her. And you don't think it's anything, any part of Vision then? I, I don't think it is anymore. Well, let's cut right to the chase then. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to the beginning of the episode, but fuck it, let's go right to the end of the episode <laughs> because the end of the episode shows that Wanda is a bit more conscious of what's going on and a bit more conscious and cognizant mm. of her surroundings than the previous three episodes. There are little hints here and there. Obviously, the, you know, the fact that Vision suddenly rewinds at some point, her no when the beekeeper mm. bloke appears. But here we see she knows that something is hinky here and she knows that Vision is dead. So she sees Vision even accidentally. You know, she has constructed this reality around her, this idealized reality in which he is his living self again. Mm. But every now and again, maybe she forgets or her powers just go wibbly wobbly for a second and she sees, and I thought it was a really shocking moment because really, really really brilliantly done by, by the director, Matt Shackman, who, by the way, has done a fucking great job on these four episodes. And not that there should be a distinction between TV and, and films in the MCU anymore, but uh, 
frankly, he deserves a shot at uh, at a movie after mm. this, I, I would reckon. But um, if he wants to, Matt, the job is yours. <laughs> it was a really, really effective way of doing it because he was replaying the shots from last week when Vision comes in yeah. and he's in the background out of focus. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so you don't really notice the, the gray color of Vision. So when you see him all grayed up with the Infinity Stone, the whole huge hole in his forehead where the Infinity Stone used to be, I, I, I may have wet my pants. <laughs> yeah, it was scary. And that's such a creepy image anyway, the sort of zombie mm. vision all drained of life and color. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, we've spoken in previous weeks, I think mainly last week, it was like, oh, what if the body of vision is somewhere and it's been plugged in? I now no longer think that's the case. I, I think he's gone, gone. I think mm. I was holding on to some idea because the, the sitcom reality makes you yeah. want him to still be alive mm. and want them to have some kind of life outside of this fake reality. But it felt even more clear maybe from this episode that I I, re- I think he has met a definitive sticky end that can't be there, undone. There is that moment, isn't there, when she's like, what should we watch tonight? And that when his mask slips it again. When, yeah. And it could be, as Helen said, it could be that another layer of Wanda's personality, but that bit where he looks troubled for a moment before he kind of pulls the smile back. It's like there's something mm. there. Even that smile felt like a very hollow smile to me. Very that, much so, yeah. It was, yeah, that was... I, I love the way that it makes these images uncanny, these things that should be kind of light and, and frothy have this quite sinister um, melancholic edge to them and that smile mm. definitely encapsulated that it's a smile of a man who knows his best to play along um, and yeah. if he knows what's good for him well yeah and it, but it's also the smile of a guy who it feels genuine genuinely like vision in a sense like because this yeah. this is the moment that that sort of sparked this particular frame of thought for me this week it 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 does feel like vision. It does feel like he would react if he was worried something is wrong. But I think it is a representation of Wanda, this, the part of her that knows something is wrong. And so he's still acting the way he should act in the show. He's still acting loving. He's still acting caring. But with this undercurrent, because that too would be realistic to who he is. I think it's really interesting because I think it's it's a way that her subconscious is potentially going to get through to her is via vision. That seems like the See, best way I to communicate like with her right now. He's vision, but maybe not real vision. Like he's no, her, I know. Yes, yeah. Like her, she's created vision, but maybe made him too real for her own good. Yes, so exactly. Like, yeah. So the real vision is there, but it's her creation of the real vision. Yeah. Yes, but that there's still, I think, enough of the real vision's rationality yes. in there to potentially she's over time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. she's almost made him too good. Yes. Exactly. Like too close to himself. Yeah. Exactly. But you say that her subconscious that vision is perhaps possibly her subconscious trying to get through to her. But this episode makes it fairly clear that on a conscious level, she's absolutely in control of her actions. Yeah. Well, I'm saying it's her rational side. I don't know, you know, I don't know how, or maybe her better nature, call it that, because that actually fits really with vision, who's a pretty great person. Um, but it's her better nature kind of counselling her. Synthesoid. <laughs> trying to counsel her I've and get through maybe. Hey. <laughs> I love that she she exerts her control over everything, including the aspect ratio. Like when she pulls mm. the illusion back together, she pulls it back into four, three, like forces it out of the letterbox aspect ratio. I thought that was brilliant. Every really, time really the nice aspect touch. ratio changes, I want to applaud. They do yeah. it so well. They do it so well. So yeah. well. It's genius. Nerds. 
I think you find James is a nerd. Oh, that's right, sorry. I realise it just sounded like the worst kind of person on Letterboxd. <laughs> I think you'll find the aspect ratio change here is extraordinary. Well, I was always disappointed when Joss Whedon decided to shoot Avengers Assemble, brackets 2012, close brackets in 1.851 ratio, if you ask me. Academy ratio or die. I Academy say. ratio, absolutely, Helen, absolutely, fully on board. Good Lord. But I do agree uh, with your point. I was just making fun of you to be mean. <laughs> that, that's fair. You I deserved it. <laughs> but there's, as you're saying, you're talking about her, her, her conscious thought and what she thinks she's doing. There's a bit where doesn't Vision suggest leaving, and she yes. says, "No, we can't." Mm-hmm. Like this is our home, and looks like genuinely upset for the fact that she clearly knows that she can have him there, but if they leave, she cannot continue yes. to have him. Yeah. Yeah. But we discussed this on the previous episodes, and I don't want to repeat necessarily the same thing every week, but Wanda's fucking scary. She's really (laughs) scary. (laughs) In a way that I don't think any of the previous MCU properties managed to completely convey, although, you know, once again, she made Thanos shit himself. Yeah, that moment with Thanos is the closest we've seen to scary Wanda. Super powerful and slightly unhinged. Rainfire! <laughs> scary lady's coming for me. <laughs> I soiled myself. Oh no! Oh, I'm beating up my girl. Oh no! Poor Thanos. Yes, take your medicine, you purple prick. Anyway, um, <laughs> in, in this episode as well, we don't we we see an extended version of her confrontation with Maria Rambo as well, don't mm-hmm. we? We yeah. see a, yeah. a fresh version of that, and she is full mm-hmm. on dead-eyed, scary, yeah. get the fuck out of my reality wonder, which was, um, I mean, it was already an unsettling moment in the last episode, but I like how you got an extra sense of how, yeah, mm-hmm. freaky she was in that in Just that casually firing her through walls. Yeah. That's the first time we've seen the red magic yes. back. Oh, well, uh, there was a bit, a bit with the stalk last week, but as we know her to to kind of visualize those powers yeah. in the mainline MCU films, mm. this is the first time we've seen her use her powers in that way. Yeah. I do think like one of the things that people criticize Marvel in particular and superhero movies in general for is that they don't deal with consequences, with trauma, with guilt, with fallibility, with faults in their heroes. And I think potentially this show is doing all of that. Um, I think, you know, we're seeing that there are consequences to losing your brother fighting Ultron and losing your boyfriend fighting Thanos. In fact, in fact, killing your boyfriend and then that's still not being enough. And then someone else killing your boyfriend huh. as well. And then you die for five years and then you come back and you're flung into a war with the dude who killed your boyfriend and made you kill your boyfriend also. And then, you know, <laughs> it's it's a lot. It feels like a lot. So I, I think it's good that they are actually acknowledging consequences and they are acknowledging that that would fuck you up somewhat. So showing us the fault in our stars. If you will. <laughs> I think that's the MC- that's something the MCU is good at, though, because obviously I think it, it doesn't tend to do it as much on a personal character basis. But you look at, at Civil War dealing with the outfall, with the fallout of Sokovia, mm-hmm. and actually there is a sort of personal component there for, for Tony and for Cap. Um, but I think compared to other superhero stuff, that's one thing that the MCU is able to do because it has these ongoing yeah. narratives that uh, you're not going to end... Avengers Age of Ultron with like, yay, we saved the world, but also all the people died. But yeah. it, then as as the films carry on, you can go back and address that stuff from a, a later perspective. And I think this is a chance to see it from 
um, in a series as well to sort of really delve into that on a deeper character level. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Sort of, I'm not saying I agree with that criticism. I'm saying it is frequently made, and that this is a, a much bigger repository mm. than I think they've been able to do in any of the the films so far. Yeah, completely. So, what's happening in Westview? So we get to Westview, right? Let's let's go back to the beginning of the episode. Mm. So Monica is. I'm a little shaky in the timeline here, but I, I guess it's explained because Wu says he was in Oakland, which is great because that's San Francisco area, and mm-hmm. uh, so it ties all in nicely. He was in Oakland and he was investigating a missing missing person case. Mm-hmm. Now we are never told who the missing person is. Mm, that's, that's a very true. good point. Could it be Agnes's absentee husband? Ralph, <laughs> that mother. Yeah. So it's a it's a witness. We think it's a witness protection kind of a deal. Yeah. We? So it seems to be. Yeah. He's in witness protection, I think he says, and has vanished. Could it be Sonny Birch? Christ. Oh, holy shit. You just turned a 10 into a (laughs) 10.5. Oh my God. How could that even be possible? He's been caught up in dodgy things. Maybe he got snapped or maybe he didn't. Who knows? (laughs) (sighs) Sonny Birch is too cool to be snapped. There are a lot of missing people for five years. Um, Maybe it's just somebody who didn't come back. (laughs) That's true. There's like billions of them. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting we're never told that. Then they get to mm. to Westview. So Monica drives to Westview and there she meets Agent Wu. So what do we make of this? I know we have a question on this, but I'm going to ask you now. What do you make of the fact that Wu just has a feeling that Westview's a bit weird? He hasn't gone into the town. He just feels it. See, I, I wondered whether it was like classic sort of, you know, whether it be X-Files, but that classic sort of like sense of interdiction, sense of foreboding, mm-hmm. where there's a presence there which makes it very difficult for you to even try and get in. Do you know what I mean? Where yeah. it actively discourages people from trying to approach the barrier. Stephen King's very good at that. Yes, I feel like we've read too much Stephen King, watched too many X-Files and read too many fantasy <laughs> novels. So we just immediately went, yeah, yeah that makes I sense. I bought that yeah, instantly. Totally. I didn't even question it. I was like, yeah, <laughs> okay, got it. Yep. <laughs> well, I don't think there's such a thing as uh, reading too much Stephen King, watching enough X-Files, and reading maybe too much fantasy novels, but uh, or too many fantasy novels. How dare but, you? Uh, How dare yeah, you? I know, I know. I need, a, I need a brush up and that sort of stuff. Harry Dresden, is it? I need to keep, oh I need to God. read those. He's so much fun. Um, so, okay, so that's fine. We, 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 we buy that. We buy that Wu can feel that there's something uh, something awry with, with Westview. Should we talk about Westview's location, first of all? Because I've seen some chatter on the Twitters about the fact that it's in New Jersey and people mm-hmm. wondering whether it might be linked in some way to Camp Lahai, which is where Steve Rogers you know, trained as Captain America. It's essentially not completely where because he was born in Brooklyn. You know, he was transformed in, in Brooklyn, but it's where he learned to become a soldier. And we know that's where S.H.I.E.L.D. was first created, essentially. So do we think there's something in that? Or is it just that it's also kind of near where the Avengers and Tony were based? So Wanda would realistically still be in around that area three weeks after Tony's funeral? Spoiler alert. Yeah, I I, I considered the first option and, and- Kind of, I'm inclined towards the second. I feel like at the moment, we haven't seen anything that would kind of connect it to Camp Lahai. Like we know that um, what's the name Zola was there for decades, but you know didn't seem to be particularly focused on the area. The whole camp seemed dead by that point. We know there were people there in the 70s, obviously, but there's not been much act- evidence of activity since. So I was inclined to discount that and just assume it was the right part of the world. I don't know about you guys. 
Yeah, I felt the same, that it's sort of near New York, but it has to be somewhere that's kind of small towny to fit the the whole vibe they're going with. And um, New Jersey's across the river. So sort of, yeah, that that was my feeling. I don't think we've had anything, like Helen said, to directly connect it to, to Campley High. So the two idiot cops that Wu and Monica talked to, they say there's no such place as Westview, but we're, we can see it. It's right there. <laughs> They're standing next to the Welcome to Westview <laughs> yes. sign, which is just amazing at the time. <laughs> now, do we think this is some sort of other supernatural, superheroic force, supervillainous force at work that is, as they say, and Monica says, selective amnesia might be happening here? Or or is Eastview, this, is this town Eastview that has been transformed via magics into Westview? Now, it feels like an extension of what we talked about before, like that there's an interdiction to prevent people from going near it. And clearly there's some kind of like reality swerving element to it where anyone who would visit there like forgets it exists. I think it's all yeah. part of her taking this thing over. Uh, that she sort of, why it doesn't affect newcomers is a whole other matter, but presumably it's just the people in the area who were affected maybe when it was set up. But uh, yeah, it seems like she's effectively warped their minds. Mm-hmm. Eastview, I'm assuming, was another town. I, I, I don't imagine they're from that place, because if they were from that place, they'd presumably be in the show as opposed to wandering around outside it. I actually wondered if they were from Westview and that they had mentally created Eastview as a possibility, but I think the Eastview exists and they're just locals makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. It's not that they were outside the force field when it was all created. But again, this this show seems, this episode seems to answer one of the theories or confirm one of the theories we discussed last week, which is that for the most part, the characters that Wanda and Vision are encountering in the show are real people who have <laughs> somehow yeah. been claimed and transformed by whatever is happening here and turned into characters. Yeah. It's unclear maybe how much is them playing along for their own, you know, self-preservation yeah or how much is it that their minds are clouded by the illusion i mean it's possibly a combination of the two mm. um because it's certainly when you saw herb and agnes talking there was a sense that they know they're, they're pretending more than being manipulated at times i wonder if there's an element of being manipulated in in sort of scenes where they're kind of on camera yeah and then a little bit less so when they're not the focus of the action like at that point obviously wanda was in labor probably her control was slippery mm. and therefore that might be why we actually saw on camera some some slippage yeah mm. can i say i also i love the darciness of so much of this like really <laughs> i was reading some stuff online people really not everyone loves the Darcy. No, so some people don't really don't yeah, like her. I think she's great. And I really <laughs> like, sort of like, she's like, I'm invested in all that stuff. But when she's like, Monica's talking to Wanda, she's got a speaking part now. It's like, yes. it's <laughs> lovely that she's getting really into the sitcomness of it. She is us. She is, is us for the <laughs> yeah. last three weeks. Yeah. And I, I felt very, very conscious of the fact yeah. that they were giving her the lines that w that we would be thinking or, and, and that Jimmy Woo is asking the questions that we are asking as well. I like, yes, it plays the into the whole metatextual feeling of the entire show, which is mm. that it's a TV show within a TV show within the MCU, and it's conscious of us as viewers. But in the world, there are viewers who are viewing the Wonder Show, and I, I love all that playfulness. It's so it's so fun, and it's so clearly well thought through. I love that they they're so conscious of all these different layers, and they're playing with them all. 
Mm, I love the stuff that, that Wu writes on the whiteboard. Which he writes, what is behind this? Scrolls, question mark. Why hexagonal shape, question mark. Ah, is Vision yes. alive, question mark. Like, yes. yes. <laughs> All of these why things. Sit, why sitcom, same time and space. I think he's a subscriber to the uh, Vision Spoiler Special. Hello, Jimmy. <laughs> I mean, the hexagonal thing is obviously interesting. You were talking last week, uh, Chris, about the the echoes of the Mind Stone cropping up throughout the show so far and the the shape of the anomaly does seem to reproduce that i i even actually went back and watched a clip of from ultra uh, sorry from infinity war you remember the mindstone cracked before it shattered yeah when mm-hmm. wanda was trying to i was trying to match up the streets through the town but they don't <laughs> seem to because i honestly Whoa. thought for, i honestly thought for a moment it's like <laughs> no but it genuinely it looked like those were the cracks and and i was like i mean that doesn't make any sense because why would she find a town that has the same line like it doesn't it doesn't work but still i wanted to just make make sure given these people wow i have questions about the timeline of this show and i've questions mm. about the timeline of what they're watching and what we've watched so mm-hmm. they did seem to be seeing some episodes that we haven't seen or some incidents of episodes that we haven't seen mm-hmm. the bit with agnes and wanda outside the library or the shop with geraldine in the foreground had we seen mm-hmm. that scene before uh, I I'm don't unsure. remember that. Specifically. I assumed we had, and I just didn't remember it. I don't. I, I don't remember it. Let me put it that way. So I was wondering if there were like sort of unimportant scenes and unimportant sort of quote unquote episodes that we haven't seen that would explain the, the time frame of this. Um, because otherwise, you know, it's taken place in sort of an hour and a half, and that doesn't fit with the mm. timeline we're seeing. Yeah, I've got so many questions about that. My feeling is that they are there are other episodes we haven't seen, and we're mm-hmm. only seeing the episodes that are pertinent to the pertinent story. To us, yeah. yeah. When are these shows being beamed out? Who's beaming them out? For what purpose are they being beamed out? I don't know. I don't know, and I don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like in terms of the, the case the broadcastiness of it. I that. Again, mixing of Darcy picking up that there is a TV signal in the mix, and at the same time when they um, penetrate the force field or whatever it is that it has that static it's a crt yeah. thing isn't it yeah it's feeling, got that um of the texture of it so i like that again that is part of the texture of the show that whatever yeah. whatever is happening here is it is a tv signal it is mm-hmm. tv come to life yeah that was really cool in terms of the time scale as well i yeah i think there's a, episodes that we're not seeing but at the same time I think it's all happening in a much shorter period than I maybe thought it was, which links to the fact that these are half-hour episodes, that old Mm. sitcoms, they're like 20-minute episodes. And if you stacked a bunch back-to-back, it would still only be like a day, a day and a half. Um, I I quite like the sense that all of this is happening in a pretty compressed amount of time when I'd maybe perhaps thought it, I don't know, it was over a week, a week and a half, two weeks, but actually probably more a day or two. Yeah, I think we're at a day or two, but that still requires more episodes i think so but but i was i was particularly interested because the guy going through the pipe into town i I realized they would be slow going um that doesn't look fun at all but equally like he can't take that long um and and it takes a while for him to pop up you know so yeah yeah so whatever is doing this how is it defining and deciding the timeframes for each episode. How is it deciding what the start point and end point is for each episode? It's this thing's going to melt my mind before before <laughs> the uh, the whole thing's uh, before the whole thing's finished. But I will say, I think you're right. I think that is a new shot with Agnes, and the reason I say that is because she's credited in this week's cast, 
Whereas not everyone else that we see in the show in from previous clips is. Now, that might just be a case of Catherine Han is a really, really good agent. She gets oh, an Anne Catherine Hand because even though she's only in one new shot this week. But yeah, none of the other characters. So Dottie, for example, I was looking for uh, Emma mm. Caulfield's name, but she's not in the cast list for this week's show. So yeah, I wonder if that might be a thing. Also, mm. I forgot to mention this in previous episodes. I love how fair and equitable the uh, crediting of uh, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen is on each episode. Have you noticed that? That they swap, mm. they swap lead status with each episode? So this week it was Bethany, even though he's not in it uh, much. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, last week it was Elizabeth Olsen who was credited first. That's really lovely. I love that. Yeah. Nice. Good work. Well done. Well done, everybody. Well done, agents. You earned your 10% for once <laughs> in your lives. In terms of cast members, I think it's interesting that they've started to figure out who are playing the roles within the show. They had that scene with the whiteboard and sort of figuring out who is playing the roles within Mm-hmm. the world and there are some people that are named and there are some people that aren't so Agatha we don't know yet we don't know and they haven't mentioned who's playing Dottie within the show but they've named some other people I wonder if we'll start to find it out at some point if those people are significant if the people playing caught playing these roles are connected in some way or if they are happen to be sort of bystanders i wonder if i wonder if that'll be part of the jimmy woo cop element of it that maybe that's something tangible that he can investigate not cop fbi agent fbi man G-Man, he's got he's got a junior G-Man badge, and he he grew up with posters of Elliot Ness, and is is what I love is oversharing. I love how honest <laughs> and earnest he is. He's like, would you like one? Well, you know, <laughs> oh, you meant chips. <laughs> <laughs> he's very very good. Um, let's take some listener questions. At Omni Shambles, do you think Jimmy Woo? Uh, looking for someone in witness protection is something that will be a key reveal. Could that person be Sonny Birch? Somebody <laughs> shambles. You have infected people with your madness. This yeah. is you are Wanda right now. This is un- this is insane. Wood of Kings. Big question is vision disturbing memory or reanimated zombie? Yes. Do, do, yes. We, do we think she's literally like? She's reanimated him somewhere, and she's no. just marching his corpse around the around the place, well, like weekend and birdie style. It's no, really upsetting. I, no, no. Uh, that's bleak. That's so bleak. Yeah, she, she can create a lot of things. I don't think it's beyond the pale to imagine that she can create. Yeah, this. I felt like that wasn't actual zombie. But that's just her subconscious, isn't it? Yeah. Being it's a classic horror trope, isn't it? You know, mm. makes absolute sense. At a Everthor asks, after watching episode four, it's my understanding that the first episode was supposed to be the 50s and the second one the 60s, but I couldn't see that much difference between the two. Did I miss something? I think for students of American sitcoms, the differences would be stark, no pun intended. But yeah, 50s was much more in that sort of domestic sitcom vein of the Dick Van Dyke show and I Love Lucy. And the 60s was very much Bewitched, which I believe, someone will correct me if I'm I'm wrong, will be, uh, that was created in the 60s. So things like Dreaming Genie and yeah. yeah, and technically, I think Dick Van Dyke show actually started in 61. So there's been a little bit of quibbling about yeah. how 50s the first episode should be. But I feel like the mm. show is is fudging the lines a little bit. It's drawing its format very much from the Dick Van Dyke show, but its style very much from I Love Lucy. And the, the, the fashions change a little bit yeah. and the camera setups change a little bit. And so, you know, there there are subtle differences between the two. But yeah, you, you know, it's not as stark a difference as, say, for example, I'll keep using that word, between the 70s and the 80s. And there's also the matter that Help Me Rhonda by the Beach Boys, we can hear it in episode two, and that is very much 
a 60s song, I'm going to say early 60s, maybe 64, maybe 65. So that sets episode two firmly also in the 1960s. And and in the second episode, they go out into the town a lot more. There's more locations. They're out in mm-hmm. the streets. They're out in other people's gardens. Whereas the first episode is just the house and the office. And that's basically it. Yeah, it's it's a studio sitcom. Mm. Yeah, with the studio audience to prove it. One uh, division spoiler question from Hipster Doofus: Where is the intern? Perhaps he could get Darcy a coffee. In the intern, <laughs> that's the a good intern's question. intern, yeah. one of the sadly worst characters in the MCU. <laughs> uh, also, are the kids going to age as the sitcom decades go on? It's a good question. Ooh, I would think question. so. I would think so. Not necessarily in time with the decades, because I don't think it follows that chronology. But I think they will age quickly in the same way that her pregnancy was accelerated. Mm. Yeah. Also, because that's more fun, isn't it, to have kids running around? And they'll presumably start to develop or demonstrate powers as well, because that would be fun too. I wonder if they're the end game in a way, that whatever is doing this. I know, Ben said it earlier on, we should get get paid for that. But um, (laughs) I wonder if that whatever is making this happen is somehow manipulating this to get to Wanda's imaginary kids that have powers, probably? Who knows? Maybe. And it would make sense. We know that in later sitcom stuff, they're going to get to Modern Family. It would make sense mm-hmm. if yes. by that point they are kid, like fully grown yeah. kids rather yeah. than tiny babies. Shafar Fadden asks, any ideas on what happened to the beekeeper during the rewind? And I actually wanted to talk about the beekeeper a bit mm. more because Monica mm. goes into the town and gets incorporated into the show as a character within the show, even though she, you know, Monica herself, Monica's herself a little bit. Uh, but the beekeeper, we don't see what happens to that guy. We see him transform physically which is which is interesting but we don't mm. see his fate we still haven't no so i yeah I, I assume that's a plot point that's going to be addressed um and uh it'll be interesting to see what ha- what happens yeah ben spratt jern these are all on twitter by the way these aren't just people with really weird names at ben spratt jern uh, says presumably it's significant that swords didn't identify someone playing agnes so i think they were quite sneaky here i think it probably is significant very sneaky sir very, very sneaky. I think it, it probably is significant that they don't have a uh, ID for her, or certainly they want us to think it's significant that they don't have an ID for her. But also, as I remember at least, they cut away from that scene while those identities are still kind of coming in. We see Wu come mm. in and put them up one by one. So there is at least the possibility that they just haven't got around to her yet. And of course, they, they're showing that before Dottie, for example, has appeared. So there's a bit of wiggle room and a bit of plausible deniability as regards Agnes and Dottie, I think, in that in that respect. It just fuels all the Agatha Harkness speculation, doesn't mm-hmm. it? That she's the, uh, the witch mentor from the comics, which, and obviously... We've seen trailers of upcoming episodes, and she is wearing a witch outfit in a Halloween episode. So, you know, th- there is possibility there. She is, but I keep going back to that 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 moment from the first trailer where she seems to be frozen at the wheel of a car, and Vision touches her and kind of starts her back to life. And he goes, "Are you know, are you dead?" And she goes, "No, but you are." And so maybe you know, maybe that's something she has knowledge of in the real world, but. If she's behind it all, why would she be frozen behind a car? Who knows? That will be revealed in episode <laughs> seven, I'm going to guess, seven of She might be a double bluff. The whole witch thing might be a double bluff, but certainly yeah. based on the trailer for the upcoming episodes, that's what they want us to think. Jimbo has a hard out, which is desperately inappropriate at this time, um, but uh, very, very quickly we'll move on. Uh, Theo Fisher 11, wondering if the team think we'll see an epic fight between Wanda and Vision akin to Thanos v. Doctor Strange. As Vision becomes comes to terms with the fact he's not real. No. No. 
Although that'd be interesting if it's this idea that Vision is part of Wanda and she's at war with herself. I wonder if that could be a metaphysical battle that takes place. Although it seems like they're going to be at war with, I don't know, something else. Surely they'll be fighting with Sword or whoever is maybe keeping them in this weird reality. Who knows? Yeah. I want to see a, an element where where um, Josh Brolin turns up as like Vision's boss in a future episode and like is abusing him i think that would be fun just to get that into the show mm-hmm. <laughs> did you see the thing that went around last week uh, i think it was on a, a reddit thread when reddit wasn't busy taking down wall street and making people millions that they did it this comparison i'm kicking ourselves frankly that that we four scholars of the mcu didn't spot this but there are parallels potentially between what happened at the end of episode one with Mr. Hart choking and Mrs. Hart going, stop it, stop it. And then episode three with uh, Wanda giving birth and I can't do this, you can, uh, which echo things that have happened in Wanda's past. So principally, specifically Fission's death. Mm. So that, you know, in, which is interesting and, you know, it's it's nebulous enough and vague enough that it might mean something or it might not mean something. But some of the dialogue is certainly analogous to what things that were said in Infinity War. So is Wanda literally subconsciously reliving the trauma of her past that's not just manifested in those, in those commercials we see? Yeah, I think, I think it is her reliving trauma. I, I thought that those quotes, if they were meant to be specific callbacks to that scene would have been a little bit more specific. You know, I thought that the language would have been a little bit closer than it was, um, but perhaps I'm not giving the Marvel Universe credit for enough subtlety um, because, the, you know. Yeah. The one I'm really struggling with, the, the Wanda giving birth and saying, you can't do this, like, no, you can, you can. That that feels more on point to me. But Mr. Hart joking mm. doesn't, just because Thanos grabbed the vision by the throat, doesn't really, feels more like a stretch to me. But... You never know. You never know. Uh, at Drivad, David Heslop on Twitter, is Vision partially responsible for what's going on? Marvel loves a misdirect. See the scrolls, the Mandarin. And the mm. techie vibe of the force field made me think that maybe, just maybe, Shuri's incomplete backup might just be playing some havoc. Uh, also, what was your favourite moment of this episode and why was it Agent Wu's card trick? <laughs> that was absolutely my favourite moment of the episode. Such a great callback. It's yeah. it's, it's, so it's one of those you mm. have to be paying attention to Ant-Man and the Wasp. And believe me, folks, I have been. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. I mean, despite it being the worst Marvel film by some margin, uh, I have seen it enough to have noticed that. Shots fired. Shots fired. Don't I hear your phone ringing, Jimbo? I think you've got to go. Don't you have a heart out? Oh, dear. Unbelievable. Speaking of hard outs, did you hear the news this week that um, we were potentially going to see full frontal vision in Age of Ultron? And there were oh conversations. God, yes, <laughs> Josh Whedon's like, we need penis. There has to be penis. I'm sure we talked. I'm sure we talked about this with Paul Bettany on when Age of Ultron came out. Is this just a case of news suddenly being recycled five years later? And yeah, probably. Oh yeah. God, probably. Anyway. JD Woo asks, for the f- upcoming 80s, 90s, and noughties episodes, uh, would you rather it shift back to Westview completely or flit between the perspectives? I think we're going to get a bit of both, but I think we're going to get a lot more Westview, but with more knowledge of it, of it mm. glitching, of it falling apart, of people falling in and out of character. I think I don't think we're going to get another episode that is all the outside worlds. I think you needed this to have a bit more of a sense of what's going on. I think we're going to go back to Westview for most of it, but with a greater understanding of 
this extra level of artificiality and the fact that it's all kind of starting to fall apart and that this reality, this fake TV reality is kind of unsustainable. I agree. At Andy at 80 has wanted just kidnapped a whole lot of people. <laughs> yes, essentially. Yes, yeah. essentially. That's literally what she's done, a whole town. <laughs> Very possibly. Th- this episode made me think even more, I know we've spoken in other episodes about the fact that maybe Wanda is potentially the villain in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This episode pushed me slightly further along that, that thought process. Yeah. I don't think she's going to be a villain. I don't think she's going to be a full-blown mm. bad guy because mm. I'm not sh- well maybe they would go there but I feel I said last week she's going to be antagonistic she might be antagonistic in the way that Tony was antagonistic to Steve and rightly so hey in Captain America Civil War I think that might be it that Wanda might still at the beginning of or, or all the way through Multiverse of Madness Wanda might still be a problem that needs to be dealt with and given her power level there are very few people equipped to deal with that threat, and Doctor Stephen Strange is one of them. She may also just be a, maybe not ally, but you know, mentee or something, almost patient. It, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that she recognizes she has a problem and goes to him for help. Um, at the end of this season, that would make a certain amount of sense. He is, as you say, one of the few people who could maybe control her or help her or you know, rein her in, and, and that would make some sense so you know the trauma might carry forward but in a slightly more healthy way he's both a doctor and magic which is a good combination but as with all magic in the marvel cinematic universe his magic is more akin to science yeah makes you think doesn't it not really no okay (laughs) speaking of doctor strange all right one thing that is conspicuous by its absence in this multi-agency response to westview and the fact that there are two Avengers, or at least one Avenger, trapped in the middle of this weird fucking town. Mm. What's missing from this response? Shield. No. Other other Avengers. Other Avengers. Yeah. So but they're really expensive, Chris. They are really. Are, well, I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, Marvel got some sort of package deal going on. <laughs> but what if later on in the show, last couple of episodes, they do bring in a heavy hitter or two? Mm. that we don't know about because they've kept this thing under lock and key. Well, I mean, that's a completely different comic book series, but okay. Um, (laughs) Here's a a suggestion, right? Um, So first of all, we haven't had a lot of time. They don't know what they're dealing with. So until essentially this point, there has been no reason to place a call to Avengers Mansion or a tower or whatever we're calling it today. Compound. Yeah, it is a little bit, but that's what I'm going with. Second of all, if they realize that everybody going inside is pulled into the illusion and they don't know what's controlling the illusion, they think it's Wanda, but maybe, you know, if there's any doubt on that score, there's got to be a worry about handing more ammunition to her or to anyone else who's in control of this. Mm -hmm. So potentially, if you put somebody super powered in there, then they become part of the problem. I just, I'm just getting Luke Skywalker at the end of uh, Mandalorian <laughs> season two goosebumps here, and I just want to say a bullshit theory with five episodes to go that will probably be wrong, but if it's right, then I can go ha 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 and dance okay. around the room. I think Doctor Strange is coming. Mm. I think that makes makes sense. Yeah. Who Iron Man's dead? Cap's aged out. Hulk's got a crusty arm. Vision is dead. 
Like, I mean, Hulk could come in with his crusty arm. But what's he going to do? What, 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 what would Ant Man do to fix this? <laughs> to fix this problem? He could fix it. He could, he could fix go, things. He, yeah, maybe he Jimmy can... Woo is. You know, he's going to call his good friend Scott Lang and, and sort an things out. Engineer and such. No, I, I, I'm. When I say all that, Chris, that's to explain why there's nobody in there yet and why they yep. wouldn't rush to send someone in. I actually agree with you that that is at the very least a strong possibility um, because apart from anything else, it would set up the film very nicely. It would, would, wouldn't it? If you're going like, how would, how is Wanda getting involved with Doctor Strange in this multiverse of my, oh. Has she even had a conversation with him? I mean, it doesn't make any, oh, I see now, it does make sense. Yes, yeah. precisely. And no, they haven't. They haven't even been in the same room together until, they've been in the same battlefield, battlefield together, sure, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, and, Doc, and Tony's funeral, of course. Yeah, maybe they bonded over canapes. <laughs> Cheeseburgers. <laughs> Should be bit by one second. <laughs> or they just bonded over the fact that they each have just weird powers. He's like, I make butterflies. She's like, I distort reality. <laughs> I made Thanos shit himself. I made Thanos shit himself. She <laughs> also made butterflies, made butterflies too. from the mobile thing. They wow. both love butterflies. Oh my god. Oh, oh, Doctor Thanos. Strange in the multiverse of madness is gonna be so cute. Oh, butterflies god. everywhere. <laughs> It's going to be yes, so yes, awesome. Yes, Ben, that's right. It's going to be butterflies everywhere. Um, at the absolute other end of the, of the cute spectrum, like as far away from butterflies as you can get, this episode did you know, make me think a little bit of one of the most disturbing comics I've ever read, which is 24 Hours, which is a comic in Sandman, which is where a dude with called uh, Dr. D basically takes over a 24-hour diner and he has this dreamstone and he can basically make everybody inside the diner stay. None of them can leave. None of them want to leave. They keep getting up to leave and then sitting back down again in, in the early part of the evening. And then he starts using them to act out all of his fantasies. And it's one of the most messed up, violent, disturbing, weird, trippy, grotesque comics that's ever been written. And that's, I swear to God, the closest thing I've come across to WandaVision so far. Huh. It is weird um, that this is happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because she is literally, as you say, ab she's abducted a town. She's taken away their autonomy, their, you know, free will, and she's making them dance to her tune. And I swear to God, it's a Sandman villain story. <laughs> You're saying Neil Gaiman should sue. <laughs> no, as his lawyer, no. But I'm saying it's um, it's a it's a great great concept for a friendly family friendly show. From George Simpson at G H Simpo, where has Vision's body been for the last five years? <laughs> well, it was left in Wakanda, wasn't it? So yeah. maybe maybe Shuri has sure taken it, up it and maybe some somebody <laughs> took it back to Shuri's like uh, Shuri got blipped. place. She got blipped. But her, her her workstation's still there. It's not sentient, Ben. I mean, it could. There were enough Avengers that they would have taken out of the forest. Um, they had some Quinjets. They could have taken it home. I think it's been taken home and maybe interred, buried. I don't know what you do with those bodies with synthesoids. What their rituals I mean, are. It belongs to Tony, doesn't it? So wouldn't it be in his garage somewhere? Belongs to Helen Cho, technically. That's fair. On that note, that is it for this week's WandaVision spoiler special. Hope you've enjoyed it half as much as we have. Join us next week for more WandaVision-related fun. We'll be delving deep into episode five. 
But until then, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, it's goodbye from Jimmy Woohoo. He's so excited to be in this episode. Ben Travis. Woohoo. Goodbye. <laughs> That's how I end all conversations. <laughs> and then he, then you throw a, a smoke bomb on the ground and then just disappear in the chaos. Well, I'm trying to learn that from the online magic school, <laughs> online but it's, it's <laughs> taking a while. Well, at least you'll have you have two years house arrest to get around your head around it. Essentially, yeah. thanks COVID. Oh man, that just ended on a bleak note. Sorry, um, it's, <laughs> it's goodbye, I guess. From Wuha, he's got you all in check. What the hell does that mean, Jimbo? Wuha. It's Buster Rhymes, isn't it? Oh, I can't believe Helen's the only one who got that. Wooha, wooha. No? Wooha, got you all in check? No? Clearly no, no Buster Rhymes fans in the house. I'm, I appreciate you, James. I'm that excited. So it was wooha, brackets he's, meaning Jimmy Woo, got you all in check. So it's a stretch, I'll grant you. It's a really good song. And it's goodbye, of course, from First Blood, mm-hmm. Rambo. Rambo. There you go. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Helen O'Hara. Doodaloo. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye for me. What the Dickens in honour of Agent Jimmy Wu. Uh, I'm off to dig up Vision's corpse and have a great old weekend with him. Just around my house. Manipulated him via a complicated series of pulleys and levers. It's going to be off the fucking chain. Thank you so much for listening. Weekend of Bernie's, Helen. Yeah, not I know, a sex I know, thing. I know. I was thing. waiting for, well, I mean, I was just waiting for a, a Bernie joke, that's all. I can't believe I, we were talking about horny vision the other week and I didn't say he's got a massive vision on. I can't believe I didn't say that. And I'm glad I didn't say it, given the reaction it just got. <laughs> Vision on. You know, Tony Hart, BBC. Not a clue. No. Art Gallery. Not no. a clue. BBC show. I remember, nope. yeah. Vision on. Nope. There's yeah, a vision. <sighs> Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> well, that went. I mean, well, it went well. <laughs> <laughs> It did indeed go. 